All right. Good morning, Antioch family. How is everybody feeling this morning? I'm so happy to see all you brave souls that that came out, faced the elements, and made it into God's house this morning. Amen. Amen. A huge welcome to everybody tuning in online on our Facebook page. Thank you for joining us virtually uh, to worship the Lord with us. It is a very special and important Sunday. This this Sunday, January the 22nd, is Sanctity of Life Sunday. Amen. Now we know as Christians, as as followers of Christ, that we have an obligation to champion for the most vulnerable population in America, in the world right now, which is the unborn. Amen. So we want to just challenge you and encourage you. We, we're collecting the baby bottles today. Continue to pray and get involved with LifeSpring Pregnancy Center. And we are starting in February, we're starting foster training, foster training here at the church on Tuesday nights in February. So let's not just talk about being pro-life. Let's live pro-life. Amen. 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 And pray about that. We want to we want to go to the Lord in prayer this morning. Go ahead and hop up on your feet. Hallelujah. Join me in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we praise you and thank you that you are the author of all life, that you give life. You give us abundant life. You give us new life in the spirit. We just pray, Lord, for our government, for our president, for our Congress, Lord, for our governor, for the House of Delegates here in Virginia. Lord, we just pray that Lord, you will uh, touch their hearts, open their hearts. Lord, help them to remember that righteousness exalts a nation. Lord, we want to see your kingdom come and your will be done. We're so thankful that you are seated high above the earth, that you are on the throne, and that every Amen. other government, every other kingdom has to bow to you, whether it's Republican or Democrat. Lord, you are seated high above all of these things. And so we pray your kingdom come and your will be done, Lord. We pray that you will use us as your people, use your church, Lord, to be active, to be involved in the community. Lord, help us and move us to be involved in every level of youth involvement Amen. in church and in the community. Lord, lead us to be coaches and teachers and nurses and in all those ways where we can interact. And Lord, help us, oh God, to have a heart for those who, who, have, who have bought the lies and the deception of the culture. And, Lord, we, we pray for those ladies who've had abortions. We pray, Amen. Lord, that your grace would abound to them. Lord, we pray for all those who are in the valley of decision and don't know what to do. Lord, we just pray that you will bring someone into their path, bring us into their path to speak life and hope into them today. Bless LifeSpring Pregnancy Center. Lord, and the work that they are doing in Charlottesville. Lord, bless the, the, the Christian doctors, Lord, at at Jefferson OBGYN and, and Martha Jefferson and UVA, oh God, Lord, we just pray that you will use them and all the nurses, Lord, help them, oh God, to use your truth, use their voice to speak your truth, Lord, in a culture that's just getting swept up in convenience. Lord, help us to be the covenant people of God. Help us not to turn to the right or to the left. Help us to follow the narrow way. And Lord, we just pray for a revival in this nation. Lord, I pray you will put it on our hearts, your people, to do something other than just picket or petition. Lord, help us to pick up our crosses and follow you and to live lives, Lord, that are truly pro-life. Lord, we just pray for this adoption training that's coming in February. Lord, we pray that many will come. Use us, O oh God. Move on our hearts to open up our homes. Lord, help us, O oh God to be your hands and your feet as we worship you this morning we just cry out and we pray lord heal our land heal our land 
But we pray for Governor Youngkin today that you'll strengthen him and his staff. We pray for President Biden and his cabinet. Lord, do a work. Lord, put, put a godly messenger in his path to speak life to him. But we know the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord, so we pray that you'll change it, that you'll turn it. Help us, O oh Lord, not to sound like the critics of the culture. Lord, help us to know we can go straight to the throne of grace and take our petitions to the highest king. So, Lord, we pray, Lord, your kingdom come, your will be done. Revive us, O oh Lord, we pray. We cry out for the unborn and we pray, oh Lord, let them live, let them live, let them live. And Lord, use us as agents of your grace and mercy. In Jesus' name we pray. Are you ready to have church this morning? Amen. Come on now. Hallelujah. Let's worship the Lord together. His grace is enough. Amen. Thank you, Lord. We run to you again, Heavenly Father. We run to you now, Lord. We need you. We're so thankful, oh God, that, Lord, our life was in your sights long before our first breath. That before you formed us in our mother's womb, you knew us. You saw us. You had a plan for us. Lord, you, you predestined that all who would be in Christ Jesus would be justified, sanctified, and glorified by your glorious grace. We're so thankful, oh God, that we're chosen by you. You called us. You chose us. Well, we're elect in the Son. We're so thankful, oh God, that we're not condemned, that there's no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. We're so thankful that we live according to the law of the Spirit in Christ. Well, remind us today the life that we have in the Holy Spirit. Lord, help us to share in that new life. Help us to share in that abundant life now. This is eternal life that we can know you, Lord. You are eternal life. Jesus, you are heaven. And we want to know you now. So we run to the Father again. Well, some of us messed up this week, but we run to you again knowing that you cast our sins as far away as the east is from the west, knowing that the righteous one falls seven times, but they get back up, knowing, oh God, that if you are for us, Lord, no one can stand against us. No one can bring a charge against God's elect. So we're so thankful. Lord, when we're in Christ, we're chosen by you. The life is in the Son. And the one who has the Son has life. So we run to you this morning. Open your word to us, we pray. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's look at Romans chapter 8. Man, starting at verse 18. If you would, stay standing for the reading of God's word. Let's honor his word. Amen. Romans chapter 8 title of this message is from groans to glory anybody wake up groaning this morning i feel like that's all i've done ever since i started working out was oh i'm groaning how many of you know the glory of god is coming amen romans chapter 8 verse 18 for i consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory 
that is going to be revealed to us. For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it, in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage of corruption into the glorious freedom of God's children. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. And not only that, but we ourselves, who have the Spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. Now in this hope, we were saved. How many of you know we were saved in hope, amen? We live by hope, amen? The pain is real, but come on somebody, our hope is real. In this hope we were saved. Hope that is seen is not hope, because who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with patience. Now that's the hard part. <laughs> in the same way, the Spirit also joins to help us in our weakness because we don't know what to pray as we should but the spirit himself intercedes for us with unspoken groanings and he who searches the hearts knows the spirit's mindset because he intercedes for the saints according to the will of god and we know come on somebody say i know we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, those who are called according to his purpose, for those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. And those he predestined, he also called. And those he called, he also justified. And those he justified, he also glorified. Lord, we praise you for your word. Lord, we praise you that the glory that is coming is so great. The moment we taste it, we'll never remember a single pain that we had on earth. Lord, the glory is so great, it's not even worth comparing what we're going through right now to what you have coming for us. Lord, help this wonderful truth to help us to walk in the joy of the Lord to be full of the power of the Holy Spirit. Help us to know, oh God, when we see Jesus face to face, when we see you, oh God, all the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of your glory and grace. Lord, start that transformation, continue that transformation, and finish that transformation by the power of your Holy Spirit in us this morning and all God's people said amen we're continuing our life in the spirit series through Romans chapter 8 and I love Romans chapter 8 as you know I love the life that we have through the Holy Spirit of God and I love seeing all the people that came out in the middle of the ice to hear the word of the Lord this morning amen, amen. we're moving from groans to glory and I love that picture I don't know I, that picture just captures to me, our salvation so well. They say a picture is worth a thousand words. I'm still going to say a thousand words, but I'm going to point you to the picture because that is the reality of when we come to Christ. We have been learning what the Christian life is all about after we are saved, 
After we are born again, regenerated, forgiven, cleansed, brought out of darkness into God's marvelous light, transformed, made new, justified before God, clothed in the righteousness of Christ, given the hope of eternal life. How many of you know, after you are blood bought, it's time to be spirit taught. Amen. That's a throwback from way back. We are free from condemnation. We, are, we have new life through the Holy Spirit, and we receive a new way of life. We live by a new law with a new mind. Come on, somebody say, new mind. And we seek to live a life of righteousness that's led by the Holy Spirit, and we know that we are loved by the Father. With all of that wonderful truth, it runs parallel to another painful reality. And the fact is, while we are saved. We have been regenerated and justified. We are being sanctified. And one day we will be glorified. That day is not yet here. And we are still living in this sinful, fallen, broken, painful world. It's full of sickness, sin, and death. And we live in that tension. You and I are not yet what we will be. You and I are not yet what we were created to be. The kingdom of God is now and it is not yet. And we live in that tension. We're awaiting for that day, our glorious hope to be, to be realized. And we have a blessed hope, but how many of you know, we're still going from groans to glory. This life is full of hardship. Maybe I'll just say it this way. My life is full of hardship, suffering, grief, and pain. At times as a Christian, it is hard to trust that God is truly good. We go through hard times when there's nothing good happening for us. We have those days where we feel like everything is going wrong. We feel so isolated. We don't feel loved. We don't feel saved. We lose people that are precious to us. God doesn't answer our prayers the way that we wanted it to. Our spouse and our kids are driving us crazy. Come on, even on a Sunday morning, come on, somebody. Teenagers, kids, our parents are always on our backs. They won't even let us breathe. Parents, are, parents just don't understand. We aren't feeling or hearing anything from God. Sometimes we wonder if God has just left us to fend for ourselves. We're paying $8 for a dozen of eggs, $6 for a gallon of milk, and $4 for a gallon of gas. Come on, somebody. We hurt all over, inside and out. We groan. We groan. That is the perfect backdrop for verse 18. Paul says, in light of all that, I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed in us. Your worst day on earth, in other words, what the apostle is telling you, your worst day on earth isn't even worth mentioning alongside eternity. It's not even worth mentioning alongside your first moment of eternity. But how many of you know we are cert certainly groaning now? The good news is the glory is coming. Amen. Amen. When we see Jesus face to face, we won't even remember hurting on earth. He's going to wipe every tear from our eyes. Every painful experience and memory will one day be gone forever. Amen. That's some good news. Amen. 
And in this passage, Paul is encouraging and he's explaining to us not to give up or to lose heart, but to keep our eyes on the glory that is coming. He reminds us to remain in hope because our loving Father is working all things together for the good of those who love God. That's you. And if it isn't good yet, how many of you know that means he's still working? And he's not going to stop until it is good, until it's all good forever. He's working it out. We have been justified. We are being sanctified. And our heavenly father is going to glorify us, those who he is saying. The father worked it out. The spirit is working it within and through. And one day Jesus is going to return and take us home to be with him. And on that day, the work that God started in you will be done. I got an amen from a baby in the back. Hallelujah. So in other words, Paul is saying your suffering today is a guarantee of the glory that's to come. Every hardship is a guarantee of the glory that's to come. Every heartbreak is a guarantee. That's how you got to start looking at suffering, knowing that God is going to use it. He's going to work it. It doesn't mean that he caused it. He may have allowed it, but he will always turn what the enemy meant for evil, and he will use it for good. The plan of God in your life is to work all things together for his glory and for your ultimate good, which is to make you like Jesus. Amen. Amen. Your suffering today is a guarantee of glory to come. And I don't know what you're groaning through today. Some of y'all are groaning through this sermon. I was groaning trying to just get up ever since I've been working out. Every time I move, I'm, oh, ooh, ah, e, ooh. I don't know what's going on in your life right now, but I do know this, and I want you to hear this. If it isn't good, you need to remember God's still working. He's not finished working. We need to remain in that hope. Life in the Spirit of God is full of hope. We are saved in hope, and we have a blessed hope waiting for Christ to return. We have Christ in us, and Paul says in another place that Christ in us is the hope of glory. The pain is real. The pressure is real but the hope is real. And this hope should create anticipation. The hope is secure because of our adoption by the Father. And this hope is a daily reminder that all things are working together according to God's will and God's purpose. Amen? Amen. Let's talk about anticipation for a minute because the apostle says, he says that all of creation, all the created things, beings, every object that exists that God made, it's eagerly anticipating you to be revealed in glory. See, we are free from the penalty of sin and we have been released from the power of sin, but we and all creation groan waiting to be free from the presence of sin. And Paul saw human sin. Paul saw the state of the world, but he also saw God's redeeming power. And at the end of all of it for him was an unshakable hope. Because of that, Paul's life was not in a state of permanent despair. You read about his life and you read about all the things that he went through. If anybody should have been depressed and de-stressed, it was the Apostle Paul. But he says over and over again, rejoice in the Lord always. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because he had a hopeful anticipation for the return of Jesus. And the Apostle Paul and the Apostle Peter and the Apostle John, they lived like Jesus was going to come any minute. They had a hopeful anticipation. And here's the thing. They lived like he was going to come, and they lived like they wanted him to come. 
And I think that's where you and I are a disconnect from the Apostle Paul. Because some of us act like we don't ever think he's coming. And some of us live like we don't care if he comes or not. Because you don't find pleasure in doing the will of God. That's a hard truth. But if we're all honest, we have to admit I, 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 want Je- I want Jesus to come back, but I still want to do this. I still want to see that. I still want to enjoy that. And listen, some of that's normal, but our ultimate hope and anticipation should be for the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Paul didn't live waiting for an inevitable end in a world encompassed by sin, death, and decay. His life was an eager anticipation of a renewal and a recreation that was going to be brought about by the glory and the power of God. Creation is waiting for the revelation of the new heavens and the new earth. Creation was good when God created it. Amen. God saw it and he says over and over and over again, it was good. And then when God created you and me, you know what he says? He says it was very good but it ain't good now, (laughs) is it? A lot of groaning happening right now. And there's a lot of groaning in this passage. Creation's groaning, we're groaning, but I'm so glad the Holy Spirit is groaning. You know why? Because he's praying for you. You don't know how you should pray. That's all right. All you got to say is, Lord, help, and the Holy Spirit will take it and translate it. And sometimes he'll even auto-correct it so that you're praying according to the perfect will of God. You know, you're like, Lord, help me to be more patient. Somebody said, don't ever pray for patience. You know why? Because you know how the Holy Spirit's going to answer that prayer for you? He's going to auto-correct it. He's going to put some difficult people and some difficult situations in your life so that you have the opportunity to exercise the fruit of the Spirit, which is patience. Mm. Creation was made subject to death when sin entered the world. And Paul says here that Creation was unwillingly submitted to the futility of sin, bondage, corruption. And he says that creation is groaning with labor pains. Now, all the mamas in the room, you understand the groaning with labor pains. I didn't feel it, but I knew something was hurting on my wife. While she, and you know what? She made sure she grabbed me by the chest. Why don't you just shut up and do something useful? Hey, whatever you need, honey, whatever you need, baby. The mamas in the room know what that pain is like. That's how the Apostle Paul compares. That's what creation is feeling in anticipation of being renewed and recreated. Creation is eagerly anticipation. It is eagerly anticipating the completed work of God. My question this morning for you is, are you? Are you anticipating it? Do you have an eager anticipation for the Lord's return? Are you on the edge of your seat? Do you desire to see him? Are you working and watching and waiting for that day? Because the eager anticipation described in verse 19 is a vivid expectation of breakthrough and victory. Man, I love that. That's what that word means. Do you have an eager anticipation for the breakthrough that's coming or are you stuck in a pit of despair because of the trial that's going on? I'm here to tell you, he who started a good work in you will be faithful to complete it. And in the meantime, we have to wait for it patiently. Oh, I love the word patiently here because it means so much more than just sitting calmly with our hands folded. Another English translation translates it as steadfast 
or enduring waiting. How many of y'all have ever been in the process of enduring waiting? Will this ever finally happen? But it's a readiness while we wait. It reminds me of the way Ezra anticipates Christmas every year. Is it Christmas? Hey, mom, dad, when is Christmas? And we tell him, not for a long time. He says, right now? No. No, no. It's the day after Christmas this year. You know what he wanted? He says, when is it going to be Christmas again? We say next year. He says, right now? No, not right now. But he has that anticipation. He is eagerly waiting for it and watching for it. And we need to have that. Jesus told us in Luke 12, 35, be ready and dressed and have your light burning. He didn't just say to have a candle in your hand or to have a Bible on the back seat of your car. He said, be ready, dressed, and have your light burning. Is your light burning for Jesus this morning? Amen. Or have you allowed Satan to it out? Come on now. I'm going to let it shine. Amen. Because I know that this present suffering, this present grief, this present worry, this present depression, anxiousness, you fill in the blank. This present whatever isn't even worth comparing or mentioning to the glory that is coming for us. Titus 2, 11 through 14 says, the grace of God. I read this verse a lot because it is so good. This passage is so good. The grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all people, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age, looking for the blessed hope and glorious appearing of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ, who gave himself for us, that he might redeem us from every lawless deed and purify for himself his own special people, zealous for good work. You know how we know if you're ready? You're working right now. Zealous for good works, denying ungodliness and worldly lust, and living a righteous life in the present age. Are you looking up this morning? Because I'm here to remind some glorious saints of God, your salvation is nearer right now than it was when you first believed. And Jesus is coming, and he says, Behold, I am coming quickly. I think so many of us get so distracted. We get so distressed, so beat up, so distraught by the present suffering that we experience. We lose our anticipation of the glory that's coming. We need to get excited about Jesus coming back. Amen? Because when that glory is fully revealed, I want you to hear this. When that glory is fully revealed, you won't ever think about anything else ever again. And here's the thing, you won't want to think about anything else ever again. Oh, man, can you imagine when he finally comes? Oh, it's going to be so beautiful. Taste and see this morning that the Lord is good. That's our blessed hope. Right now, Lord, Jesus, when are you coming back? Right now, when? Even so, the spirit and the bride say come, amen? Revelation 22, 1 Corinthians 16, Maranatha, come, Lord Jesus. Is that the cry of your heart? If it's not, this morning, you need to run to the Father. Stop, some of you are living with anticipation that everything bad you can think of is going to happen. 
You live in this anticipation of worry. Oh, it's just a matter. Things are just going way too good right now. It's only a matter of time. Well, whoever comes or whatever comes, it's not even worth mentioning compared to the glory God's got coming for you. Change your perspective. Change your focus. Look up. Your redemption is drawing nigh. Our blessed hope creates that holy anticipation. And it's secured in our adoption. I love it. Paul says that we have the Spirit as the first fruits. In other words, we have the Holy Spirit as a down payment. What we have right now is assurance, but what you have right now ain't all that there is. Come on, somebody. There is more coming. There is better coming. And for all of us, there's more available right now. You can have all the Jesus and all the Holy Spirit that you want, and you will never be able to attain it all. But one day, you are going to be known fully even as you are fully known. One day you are going to be so united to the Spirit of God, and we're going to be so united to one another. Man, it's going to be such a glorious day. I'm going to be able to move and, and think and travel and, and, and go, and, and, and there's not going to be any more groaning anymore. My body is going to be fully redeemed. That's what I'm waiting for. And that longing is another sign of my salvation. It's that longing that is part of my assurance. I know God has got me right now, and I know he has more coming for me. We had the down payment, but oh, one day, you're going to receive that full installment. Come on, somebody. The redemption of our bodies. And we know that we are adopted as God's children because the Holy Spirit testifies with our spirit. We're going to have limitless ability, freedom of movement, no aches, pain, sickness, no arthritis, no osteoporosis, no cancer, no bleeding, no broken bones, no headaches, complete and total freedom forever. That's what's coming. Fully powered by God's glorious presence, fully united with him, no separation ever again. And Paul says, that's the hope that you're saved in. That's the hope that you're saved in. That's where your salvation is at. That is our glorious future. We don't see it now, not even close, but he says hope that is seen. He says isn't hope at all. Come on, how many of you know we walk by faith and not by sight? I don't see it right now, but I know that it's true because even though I don't see it, the Holy Spirit testifies with my spirit, and I know God's word is true. And it will come to pass. We've been given a foretaste of the glory divine. Oh, let's let that propel us into the throne room. Let's let that propel us forward into all that God has for us. Let's live like we believe Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body so that it can be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is even able to subdue all things to himself. If, if, if Jesus Christ can subdue all things to himself, he has got more than enough power to transform all of us. That's what he's saying. And we got to wait patiently. We got to wait steadfastly. And that's why you need the Holy Spirit's help. That's why the apostle, man, it's such a good, it's so it's really, really good news. He says that God doesn't condemn you or look down on you or criticize you or scold you because you're weak. No, he says the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. God knows how weak you are. He knows how inadequate you are. 
And he called us anyway. You know why? Because all he needs is our willingness and our weakness. And when we are weak, he is made strong. And when I don't know what to pray, and when I don't know how to pray, the Holy Spirit prays for me. And he doesn't just pray for you. This word intercession is such a beautiful word. The Holy Spirit intercedes for you. So you don't, the Holy Spirit isn't just sending up a popcorn prayer for you, right? Like so many times when you say, I'm going to pray for you, and then what I usually do right then is I say, Lord, I pray for them, do whatever you want. Amen. That's not how the, that word intercedes means that the Holy Spirit constantly pleads on your behalf to the Father. And he's groaning with groans that are totally inaudible. He is, he is laboring in prayer. The old, the old timers used to call it travailing prayer. It's travail. It's labor. It's pleading on your behalf. The Holy Spirit is saying, oh, heavenly father, make Micah into the image of your son. Make David vote into the image of your son. Oh, Lord, strengthen his knees. He's about to fall. Lord, I'm groaning. And he, he, Lord, David can't see what you're doing right now. And all he wants you to do is eliminate everything that's getting on his nerve. Oh, Lord, bring him right through it and carry him through by your glorious grace. The Holy Spirit is praying that for you right now. And you know what Hebrews tells us? Jesus is also at the right hand of the Father intercede for you. You got two-thirds of the Godhead praying for you. I'm here to tell you, you're going to be okay. You know why? Because you've been adopted by the Father. And you have the Spirit inside you as a down payment. And when you're weak and you don't know what to do, all you need to do is say, Lord, help. When you don't know what to pray, there comes times in our lives when life hits us so hard, we are stopped dead in our tracks. Our hearts are so full of grief. Our mind is so confused. How in the world can a loving God let this happen? And when you're in that moment and when you're in that place, the Holy Spirit and the Lord Jesus Christ are praying for you. And he's helping you. And all you got to say is help me, Jesus. You pray that prayer and don't worry about the rest. The Holy Spirit will pray the perfect prayer. Amen. The Holy Spirit will complete the prayer. And that answer is going to come and he's going to hear you when you pray. And it's probably not going to be answered in the way that's easy, convenient, or comfortable. But in the way that he answers, you're going to know my heavenly father is working all things out together for the good. You've been adopted. Did you know that according to Roman law, a family could disown a biological child? A Roman father and mother could take a child that was theirs by birth, and they could say, you're no longer my son, you're no longer my daughter, get out of this family. But did you know that it was illegal in Roman law for a family to disown an adopted child? Illegal, couldn't do it. Once a child was adopted, it was in the family forever. See, it's important because Jesus Christ, God's only begotten son, he was forsaken and disowned by the father when he was on the cross. And he was disowned and forsaken by the father while he was on the cross because he had your sin and he had my sin on his back. But I'm so glad once I cry out, Abba, Father, nothing can take me out of the hand of God because I've been adopted as his son. 
Do you know who you are in Christ? Do you know your heavenly position? Because if you knew your heavenly position, it would affect the way you live in your earthly position. You've been adopted and nothing can change it. Nothing can change it. And I love the picture of adoption because when we adopted Ezra, we got all the paperwork done and signed, and it was sealed with the official seal of the United States government. And you know what? That packet was never opened until it landed in the UCSIS office in Washington. When you cried out, Abba, Father, when you confessed Jesus is Lord, your spirit was sealed with the Holy Spirit, and it is not going to be opened until you're in the presence of the Father. And when you are, that's where you will be forever. Amen. Amen. Look at your neighbor and say, we're adopted. Amen. Let the hope, let the hope of our adoption get our eyes back on Jesus this morning. I want this message to get your heart back on heaven this morning. I want this to get our hearts back on, on Jesus. I want us to run to the father because we are his children and we are loved and we have an unshakable hope that creates an eager anticipation It's secured because we're adopted into the family of God. And we know that we know that we know that God is working all things according to his purpose and according to his will. And that's point number three. We're going to land this plane. Got to remind somebody this morning, God's still working. You've been praying, boy, you've been praying for years. I've been praying for years and years and years and years and years. I'm here to tell you, if it ain't good, he ain't done. How do I know God's going to deliver me from, our, from my groaning this morning? Because I know the Holy Spirit is groaning for me. That's how we know all things work together for the good. Now look at your Bible. It doesn't say that all things are good. And it sure as heck does not say that all things feel good or seem good or sound good. No, it says he is working all things together for the good of those who love him and have been called according to his purpose. And the Holy Spirit is praying all things according to God's perfect purpose and will. And that's how I know. He takes what the enemy meant for evil and he turns it around. He's the ultimate comeback story and he's never been defeated. Every time Jesus has been down by 30 points in the fourth quarter, he's come back every time in your life. Amen. I will sing of the goodness of God. Now that's probably not going to happen with the Cowboys, but I'm glad Jesus always wins. I got an eager anticipation of getting my butt whooped this afternoon. That's why I ain't even going to, that's not, I'm not even going to rush church this evening. Ain't no use rushing home to see a loss. Yeah, somebody said, Micah said, have some faith, dad. Come on. I'm so glad that when I put my hope and faith in Christ, I know it's going to be a win. I'm going to get the dub. I'm going to get the W. Why? Because Christ has already won and I have that eager anticipation of breakthrough is coming. That's our blessed assurance that God is and God will work everything out for his glory and for my good. And ultimately, he is going to use everything in my life to make me more like Jesus. 
That means he's going to use everything in your life to get you to the place where you love your enemies and pray for those who spitefully use you. That means he's going to work everything in your life to produce the fruits of the spirit, which are love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. That means he's going to use every circumstance and every moment to make sure I am becoming more like him and less like my sinful carnal flesh that he saved me from. He's going to make us like Jesus. And the Holy Spirit is going to be with us every step of the way because he predetermined for all who receive Christ, for all who answer the call to salvation, to be justified and glorified. I love that because the glorified in, in verse 30 is in the past tense. You know why? Because when Jesus said it is finished in heaven's mind, it's already done. Amen. I don't see the manifestation of it here yet but one day I will. One day I will. That's the hope. That's coming. You see, we're predestined in the Son. God chose Christ. Stop, there's people talking about that God predestined some people for heaven and God predestined some people for hell. No, listen, God predestined all people that call on the Lord Jesus Christ to be saved. And John chapter 3, verse 18 says that those who don't believe are condemned already. Why? Because they don't believe because they don't receive the invitation, because when the Holy Spirit comes knocking on the heart, just like some of you have sat here week after week after week after week, and the Holy Spirit comes and says, I want to save you, I want to bring you into the family, and you're more concerned about the opinion of the person in the room than you are about the opinion of God, and you stay in your sin. Get out of your seat and get saved, because Jesus Christ is coming back to judge the quick and the dead. And I don't want to be judged according to my works. I want the Father to look on me and see his son. Hallelujah. That's, right. That's the only hope we've got. And it's a good hope. It's the best hope. It's a sure hope. Amen? Amen. Don't lose heart. I'm talking to somebody. Don't let grief swallow you up. Don't let it swallow you up. We don't grieve like those who what? Have no hope. Because we know that when Jesus comes... He's going to take all those who have fallen asleep in the Lord before, and then we who are alive and remain will be caught up together, and forever we will all be with the Lord. There's got to be some kind of rejoicing when a believer gets called home. It's painful for us, but it's precious to God. Why? Because he can finally show you and give you all that Christ paid for on the cross. Painful for us. This life is. Oh, but the glory's come. The glory's coming. And our God does not leave us to suffer alone. Jesus suffered before us, and the Holy Spirit suffers with us. That's, good. That's a good God right there, amen? That's a, I serve a good Savior. Jesus suffered before me, and the Holy Spirit suffers with me. And one day, ain't none of us going to have to worry about suffering anymore. It's important for us to remember, no matter what comes our way, God is still going to take care of you. I want the worship team to come. I believe that the Holy Spirit's calling some to be adopted as children of God today. He's calling you to come and re repent and confess your sins and call on the Lord Jesus. And I believe that there are some of his children, you've been saved for a long time, but you need to be reminded. You, you need to run to the Father and, and receive his blessing and receive his grace. And we need to remember that no matter what is happening in our lives, God is still in control. I love the story of 
an old Christian by the name of uh, Frederick Nolan. And he was a believer in North Africa. And he was being heavily persecuted by some radical Muslims. And they were hunting him down to kill him because of his faith. And he's fleeing for his life. He's running for his life. He, and he's running out of energy. He's totally tired. He's getting, he has nothing left to give. And, and he finally collapses inside of a shallow cave. And he just lays on the ground knowing that the enemy's going to be right behind him. They're going to take him and they're going to execute him for his faith. And as he's laying there, he's laying on his back, exhausted. He's praying what he thinks is going to be the final prayer that he'll ever pray. And then he notices up in the corner, a little spider starts to weave a web. And in just a few short minutes, this spider weaves a perfect web across the whole opening of the cave he's laying in. And when the pursuers and persecutors finally get to him, they look at the cave and they see that spider's web and they think there is no way anybody could be in there because if they would have run in there, they would have disturbed the web and they kept looking and he was saved and he made it back home safely. After they left, he he burst out in praise and he says, where God is, a spider's web is like a wall. And wherever God is not, a wall is like a spider's web. I'm here to tell you this morning. When God is in your life, no matter what else happens, He's got you. And the Bible tells you, He's got you right here. Some of you need to be reminded of that. If you need that reassurance, when we stand and sing, run to the Father, fall into grace. Stop hiding. God sees you. He knows you. And he's calling you to himself right now. Answer the call and receive that eager anticipation. Realize the fullness of your adoption. And remember and be reminded that he is working all things together according to his will and purpose. Amen. Let's stand together and sing. If you need to respond, run to the Father this morning.